All right, we are continuing our study through the Gospel of Matthew here on the Listener's Commentary, and in this recording, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 34. And recall that the focus of Matthew chapters 8 and 9 is Jesus' authority, plus some calls to discipleship based on that authority. And so in the previous section, we just finished the second call to discipleship. Now, what Matthew does here in 9, 18 through 34 is he presents three more miracle stories showing Jesus's authority before he gives sort of a general summary and transition to the next teaching block. And so we pick up in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, where it says, while he was saying these things, behold, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, Now, Mark and Luke, in their version of this story, they actually tell us the synagogue official's name. His name was Jairus. And to be a synagogue official means that he is the leader of the synagogue. He oversees it. He makes sure the facilities are maintained. He is responsible for organizing the worship service for the Sabbath. It's really a position of high honor and high status in town. And so what that means is when this guy comes to Jesus, bows down before him, asks for his help, what we see is an important religious leader showing some faith and confidence in Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus, he bows before him, and here's his request. He says, my daughter has just died. Notice that, not about to, she's dead. And he comes to Jesus in the wake of this and says, my daughter's just died, but come, Lay your hand on her, and she will become alive again. Now, just think about how incredible those words are. Here is a Jewish leader with a high position in town. He has heard the stories about Jesus. He knows what death is, and he comes to this young rabbi in Galilee and says, Look, if you just put your hands on her, she will live again. That is some incredible confidence. That, those are some incredible words. That is an incredible belief in this young man wandering around teaching and doing miracles in Galilee. So he has complete confidence in Jesus that he can raise his daughter from the dead. Well, in verse 9, it says, Jesus got up from the table and began to accompany him along with his disciples. So Jesus gets up, his disciples are with him. They begin to follow Jairus back to his house because Jesus knows he he can do what this guy is asking and he's going to help him. Now, one little technical note, it says Jesus got up from the table. We don't know where Jesus is at. And the phrase from the table is actually supplied. So he gets up and he's accompanying Jairus back to his house. But we don't know exactly from where. In the previous A snapshot, Jesus was at the home of Matthew for a dinner party. But then Matthew actually added another question and an answer in addition to what was happening at the dinner party, which means, ah, we're not really sure what's going on and where the action is taking place. When you read Matthew and Luke's version of this very story here, they place Jesus in the context of returning to this area by means of a boat, right? So, Again, we just don't know the exact original setting. So Jesus is somewhere. He gets up. He begins to follow Jairus to his house. And what's important for Matthew is this is another example of Jesus' power and authority. In some ways, a climactic example of that. So Jesus gets up and he goes with Jairus. And on the way, something else happens. Look at verse 20. He's on his way there. And behold, 
A woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the border of his cloak. And so he's on the way. There's a crowd gathered around him. This woman kind of works her way through the crowd and she touches the border of his cloak. And she had been suffering for a long time. In fact, the word hemorrhage probably refers to some sort of irregular menstrual issue. Um, And you can see some of the ways the Old Testament law among the Jews would have regulated that. Leviticus 15, 19 talks about this sort of thing. And that would mean that because it's probably some sort of menstrual issue, her interaction with people and worship is severely limited. And so she's been looking for help. In fact, we learned from one of the other gospels that no doctor can help her. She's been trying to solve this problem for a long time. She's at the end of her rope. She's heard about Jesus. Here he is. And she decides, I'm going to take the risk. And she comes up and she touched the border of his cloak. That phrase, border of his cloak, is important. It actually refers to the fringe or the very bottom of his outer garment, the fringe of his outer garment. And oftentimes it very specifically refers to the seat seat on uh, that garment. That is the tassels on the bottom of the garment. And these tassels were a special kind of tassel worn by Jewish men reminding them to be holy by obeying God's commands. You can see a description of that in Numbers 15, verses 37 and following. And there is likely, at least a good chance, that what maybe lies in this woman's mind is uh, the passage in Malachi 4.2. And so um, Matthew has included this. She's probably thinking this because in Malachi 4.2, it refers to that the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And that word wings is the same word in the Greek version of Malachi that's translated border here in verse 20. And so she probably has that in mind, healing in its border, healing in the wings of its cloaks. And among some Jews and some And some rabbis of the day, this passage in Malachi was uh, thought to be a reference to the Messiah. And so now all this uh, information about Jesus is swirling around the area. She's convinced that maybe it's true. Maybe he could be the one to heal her. She sneaks up through the crowd and she touches his, his tassel, his cloak, his wings, the border of his cloak, looking for healing. Because she thought, as verse 21 says, if only I touch his cloak, I will get well. And this, again, is a testimony to her confidence, her faith. She's willing to take this risk and come to Jesus. Verse 22, but Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Jesus knew that this this touch from this woman wasn't just someone random in the crowd bumping into him. He knew this was her reaching out in faith, and he needed to acknowledge her, and he needed to acknowledge her healing to really solidify her faith and to for the benefit of the people around him. And so he acknowledges her, and he does so by saying, daughter. This is the only time anywhere in the gospel that Jesus addresses someone with this term, and it's really a term of endearment. She, too, is a daughter, a daughter of Abraham, a daughter of Israel, and her interactions with the community may have been limited, but now she's made well. Now, remember, this all happened while Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house, the synagogue official's house, and so... 
uh, verse 23 picks up where we left off. When Jesus came into the official's house and he saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder. What we're referring to there in verse 23 is the courtyard around the official's house and a crowd of mourners. That's this crowd that's in noisy disorder. They are mourners. There's loud wails of mourning. There's people playing a small little pipes and flutes in kind of somber melodies because they're mourning the death of the official's daughter. There might even be some professional mourners there, which seems odd to us, uh, but this was a thing in the uh, Jewish context where um, you, you might even pay some professional mourners to come and play, uh, play kind of dirges and sing dirges with the flute. And the Mishnah even says that the poorest people hired no less than two flutes and one wailing woman. I mean, you had to give a person a proper grieving, and this was part of it. And so Jesus shows up, and here's all these flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder. And Jesus says to them in verse 24, leave, go away, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they all began laughing at him. Why? Because People knew, even then, in the ancient world, before they had all the medical knowledge that maybe we have today, people knew the difference between someone sleeping and someone who was dead. But Jesus knew that what he was about to do, and he knew this girl was going to get up. She's going to rise up like you do from sleep. And so he made the crowd leave. Verse 25, when the crowd had been sent out, he entered directly into the house, into the girl's room where she was laying, and he took her by the hand. And the girl got up. And the way Matthew has structured chapters 8 and 9, we've been building to a crescendo. And here we have it. We have the grand finale, the big climax of these stories. Jesus even raises the dead. I mean, here's a dead girl and he reaches out and he touches her by the hand. What's supposed to be the result of touching a corpse according to the Jewish law? Well, Jesus is supposed to be unclean, but instead of him becoming unclean, life passes from him to her, and she's alive, and she gets up. And verse 26 says, the news about this spread all throughout that land, all throughout that region. And then Matthew continues, and he wraps up with two more miracle stories that tie all of this together. They highlight Jesus' identity. They highlight the need for faith and people's various responses to Jesus. And so Matthew writes in verse 27, As Jesus went on from there, two men who were blind followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew is fond of highlighting this phrase, son of David. It's a Jewish way of referring to the anointed one, the Messiah, the great son of David who was believed to come because David had been promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that a king would sit on his throne forever and ever. But that dynasty had been broken way back 500 years before the life of Jesus. And so now the Jews are aching and watching and waiting for a son of David to come once again and sit on the throne. And so these blind men have started following Jesus along the road, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And verse 28, After he entered into the house, the men who were blind came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Notice that the interaction began on the road, but it culminates in a house. And so they're back in the house, and Jesus asked, Do you believe? Do you have confidence? Do you have faith that I can do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. 
And then, verse 29, Jesus touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows about this. Don't tell anyone about this, right? Like, keep it on the down low. The, the popularity of Jesus has been growing. Crowds are large. The hostility and tension is mounting. And so he's trying to keep things a little bit under wraps and under control because he's got work to do with his disciples and others before he's ready for the tension and things to get out of hand. And so keep this on the down low. But, verse 31, they went out and spread the news about him all throughout that land. And so again, Matthew notes this, how people keep spreading the news about him and Jesus' fame and popularity and reputation is growing large throughout the region of Galilee. And then one more miracle story, verse 32, and as they were going out, behold, a demon-possessed man who was unable to speak was brought to Jesus. And after the demon was cast out, the man who was previously unable to speak talked. And the crowds that have been growing, the crowds were amazed and were saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. That what Jesus is doing, the not just the great works themselves, but the sheer volume of the great works and the way they're being done simply by speaking a word uh, has amazed these people. And they're like, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And they can think back to the record of the prophets in their scriptures. And yes, there were great acts and there were miracles that were done, but Jesus is doing those very same sorts of things. And he's doing them all over the place in greater number. And so nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And this really is the culmination of the snapshots that Matthew has shown us here in chapters 8 and 9. When Jesus had finished the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew noted that all the people were amazed at his authority and how he was teaching with authority. And here, at the culmination in this moment of this series of snapshots, they're amazed and they say nothing like this has ever been seen before. So all Jesus' acts of power show his authority. Truly, in him, God's kingdom is breaking into the world. Here's the interesting thing, though. Matthew adds one more last little note in verse 34. And what it shows us is, even though all these miracles are happening, even though there's this great authority and this great power, not everyone is willing to believe. Look at verse 34. But the Pharisees were saying, he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. And so, even though Jesus is doing these great works of power, even though his reputation is spreading, even though he casts out demons, the Pharisees are unwilling to believe. And this very accusation about Jesus casting out the demons by the ruler of demons, it will come up again in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 and following. And there, we'll hear Jesus' response to this accusation and the seriousness, as he sees it, of what the Pharisees are saying by these words. So before we leave this section, let me just offer a few reflections that really fit here and really all of uh, Matthew chapter 8 and 9. The first is Jesus' compassion. We see that on display here in these stories. We have an older woman who has been severely limited in her interaction with the community, and Jesus has compassion on her, and she is healed. And Jesus even refers to her as a daughter to let her know she's welcome back into the family of God's people. We see a young woman who has died and a father who has lost his daughter, and Jesus shows compassion by raising this young uh, this young girl up. We see again Jesus' power 
this whole section, right, has demonstrated this, uh, beginning way back in chapter 8 with the wind and the waves and the legion of the demons. Well, now we have a woman whom no one could help, but Jesus heals her. And we have a young girl who has died, and Jesus resurrects her, raises her from the dead as a display of his power. And one other little note that we see in this section is the importance of faith. The synagogue ruler was completely confident that Jesus could raise his daughter back to life. The woman believed that if she just touched his cloak, she would be healed. Jesus quizzed the blind men about their faith and healed them based on their faith. And we see at the end of the story, the Pharisees' lack of faith. And so on one hand, we see Jesus' authority and power. And on the other hand, we see the divergent responses to that authority and power. The one that is right, the one that is good is confidence and belief, faith in Jesus' authority and power. But we also see that just because Jesus can perform miracles doesn't guarantee faith. And so are we like the people in the story who had faith, the blind men, the woman, the synagogue ruler, or are we more like the Pharisees and have a hard heart in spite of the displays of authority and power that we see from Jesus? All right, thanks for tuning into this session on the listener's commentary on the New Testament. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible-teaching ministry that's made possible by the generous support of people just like you. So to each and every one of you who have given to support this ministry or give on a regular basis, thanks a ton. Uh, the fruit that God is bearing is because of your generosity and your support. And so thank you. If you have been impacted by this ministry in some way and want to join the team of supporters, you can swing over to listenerscommentary.com. You can click the Give button, and you can set up a one-time or a monthly recurring donation right there. You can also click the Sign Up for the Study Hub and uh, set up a recurring donation right through there and get immediate access to the Study Hub materials. Thanks a ton for your support.